we imagine ourselves? What would it look like for us to imagine ourselves standing with Peter, James, and John as we face the darkness in our days and our nights, and we imagine Jesus inviting us to pray with him? Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. About 10 years ago, um, it was 10 years ago this spring, I was visiting uh, West Texas Rehab in Abilene and uh, took our son there. Uh, It was our custom once a week, and we were uh, going through physical therapy, and I was in the waiting room. And I was in the waiting room, and in came this train of people. And I say train of people because if the lady didn't have a wagon, she needed one. It was like, and it was a lot of people that needed to be taken care of. And she was doing it by herself. This was a mother who was clearly frazzled and life was hard. And she's trying to juggle literally all these different kids with all these different things going on. And I watched her during the course of our time where her, her kid was in therapy and our kid was in therapy and we were just waiting. And uh, she, she was trying to calm one kid down, and then she was reading a book to another kid. And while she's reading a book to the other kid, the other kid starts screaming, and then she starts screaming back. And, it, and the, the situation just escalated. I mean, the tension in the room got high. People got uncomfortable. People that worked there were, like, closing their glass door, you know. It was getting a little wild, and, the, and other people were leaving just because they were nervous, and people don't know what to do when people are freaking out, and people are yelling at each other. And I was just so moved by the experience and I had such compassion for her and I just began to think like what is this woman's life like like who left her in this position what what turns of events happened and so I just I I could not get the scene out of my mind I couldn't get her out of my mind I couldn't get the kids out of my mind and I just began to think about imagining in a rewind what her life was like and what got her to that point and I think it turned out to be a way of praying for her, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it, and I didn't know what to do. And so later that day, I put pen to paper, and I ended up writing a poem about this lady and her family. And I called it, You Should Write a Song About Her. And it was, it was me talking to like a, I don't know, just Chris Stapleton or somebody that writes songs. And I was going to say, you should write a song about this, because people need to know that she didn't get there because that's what she woke up when she was seven years old and that's what she dreamed she wanted to do. There were some things that happened along the way and we gotta have compassion for this person. And, and then I, I was thinking back through and, and the kids, I mean, just think about how she was loving those kids and the dignity she gave them. And I wonder if people show her that same dignity. And so it just, it was me trying to process and in a way I was crying out to God to say, God, why did you forget her? Why did you forget her? So what do we do when we feel abandoned? What do we do when we feel like God has forgotten us? We're going to look at a psalm today that I think at least partly answers that question. If you'll remember, we're in a series called Soundtrack during the season of Lent. These six weeks, we're looking at six different psalms that for the most part represent six different 
types of psalm. We've said many times that the psalms, one of the great gifts they are to us is that uh, they give us language for every human experience. So no matter, no, no matter what we're feeling or what we're going through, there's a psalm that helps us express that. When we're just having the best day of our lives, there's a psalm for that. When we're having the worst day of our lives, there's a psalm for that. When we're just caught, cut in the middle and we, and we don't know what kind of day it is, there's a psalm for that. And so uh, it's a great place to, to learn to express our emotions and our prayers to God and so that's what this whole idea of soundtrack is. You know, in the old days when they would burn a record, I mean, I guess they still do it, but um, when, when they would, you know, burn a, a vinyl record, they, they actually cut grooves into the piece of vinyl. And that's, that's where the music comes from, right? So it's this, I just imagine that as we learn the Psalms and as we kind of gain the soundtrack, God is etching these songs into our heart and giving us voice for we need a soundtrack for everything. So when, no matter what we're going through, we're going we're gonna to get that. So we talked first about a psalm of confession in Psalm 38 and David saying, hey, I'm in pain and it's because I messed up and I need help and Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Last week we, we looked at a cursing psalm. What to do when you're just really angry and people have unjustly acted in the world and you just, you've had enough and you've got to cry out to somebody and we talked about how it's okay to cuss in church because you're cursing God. You're, 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 I mean, you're cursing them in the presence of God. You're giving God all of that anger. And today, we're going to look at what we would call a psalm of lament. Lament. Uh, being sad in the presence of God. Offering our grief to God as being where we really are. So, when we talk about lament and the spaces we had in our Bible study this last week, we talked about this whole idea, and it really resonated with the group in our weekly readings, and there were a couple of different readings on, you know, what do you do when you feel this way? What do you do when you feel depressed? Now, just a, like a little side note uh, disclaimer, obviously there are levels of depression, and when we feel certain levels of depression, there are more, more measures that are needed. It's, it's not just like, oh, go pray about it and your depression goes away, uh, but we, we need help you know, when we're in those places. But there's kind of a, a, another type of depression that's sort of just kind of mild. It's undercurrent. And a lot of us feel that a lot of the time. It's not like, oh, no, I'm depressed. I've never felt that way. What's wrong with me? Like, it's normal to feel depressed, you know, a good percentage of the time. So, in fact, almost half of the Psalms in our Bible are lament Psalms. Did you know that? Almost half. That means out of 150, almost half of those are some way to express that, that sadness, that grief, that lament. So it's clearly important to the human experience, and yet we don't have a lot of church songs about it. Have you noticed? I was thinking about even hymns going back. I mean, you have to get into stuff like the spirituals, you know, were you there when they crucified my Lord? You have to kind of get into that genre to find any. A lot of our hymns have no lament whatsoever. Now, part of that is probably because the old... Uh, hymn writers and the new hymn writers know that we have the Psalms. So they would just say, well, we got a whole book full of those things. Maybe we don't need to write new ones. But anyways, it's something to think about. We have a lot of country options, a lot of rap options, a lot of R&B options, a lot of pop options. I won't try to sing those for you or name those for you. I think in the lighthearted side, you know, it goes all the way back to listening to my grandma's record of Hank Williams. There's a tear in my beer because I'm crying for you, dear. Right? You were on my lonely mind, right? That's a lament. It's like, the, it's the most pathetic kind of lament, but it's a lament. Like, it's like, I got nothing left. You're on my lonely mind. I'm stuck here. Uh, a little more serious uh, and maybe recognizable to our day. Uh, I mentioned Chris Stapleton earlier. I drink because I'm lonesome, and I'm lonesome because I drink. That's a lament. 
It's a circular lament about where we've gotten in our world. What about the Leonard Cohen song, Alleluia? It was written in the 80s. It took him two years to write it. And we didn't, most of us didn't know about it until the movie Shrek came out, 2001. And now we all know it, and it's like on every soundtrack ever. Uh, but, you know, a broken alleluia, it's, it's, that's a lament. It's a song about this deep undercurrent of lament and things aren't going well. So <clears throat> we have these lament psalms, and they're just a great thing to have in our toolbox. We're going to look as, at Psalm 13 and kind of use it as a case study. But it's good to be reminded that we have these accessible to us. And we need help learning how to pray these kinds of prayers. I don't think they're natural to us. We feel like it's impolite maybe before God to say these kinds of things. Uh, and we need, we need a guide to learn. Um, I had the privilege yesterday of uh, teaching my seven-year-old or helping her learn how to use a handsaw. So, and I know you guys are like, why are you using a handsaw, Ryan? It's the 21st century and we have, um, you know, power tools. And I would say, yes, you're right, but when you're cutting through certain beams, I don't have a saw big enough, so you got to break out the handsaw. And so I was showing her, okay, how to do it, and she was kind of, you know, get a little crooked and get a little high, get a little low. And so I just walked around behind her, the saw horses, and I just put my hand on her hand, and we just figured out that nice, smooth motion. And she was like, oh, I got it. And then I took my hand off, and she just sawed away. It was just perfect. And so that, that's, I feel like, what we do with David sometimes, or, or the psalmist, is we, we go, I, I kind of know how this is supposed to work, but I, I get jammed up when I with that, that saw stroke. So we, we hear David, and we begin praying these prayers, and we go, oh, that's how that works. That's what it's like to say, how long, O Lord, will you forget me always? Are you always going to forget me? Are things going to change? So we really need help in our toolbox, and uh, David is the master and helps us with that, uh, inspired by the Spirit. So if you'd like to follow along in your Bible, Psalm 13, and John read it for us, this is the only psalm in the, in the whole deal that begins with five questions. Five questions right in a row. And I was thinking, do any of my prayers ever begin with just five questions? Think about it. How long, O oh Lord? Like, that's a question in itself. How long, Will this go on? Will you forget me always? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long will this happen? <clears throat> Two of these questions right at the beginning. And I'll just say as a side note that... Um, this practice of learning to sing these songs, these psalms as songs like they were originally intended, which is harder for us in English, but we're trying. And one of the ways we do that, uh, we have the, the copy, if you're following the soundtrack readings, uh, they're accompanied by music that helps. And it'll be like to the tune of something familiar, common meter or something like that. And so I've been in my head all week. How long, Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face? I've, I've been seeing that all week. And I didn't do a great job of that, but I'm, I, it's, it's, it's a way that I've been praying this prayer, and I really do think the music helps. It keeps it in there, you know, when, when we need it. And so um, two of the things that David says really get our attention early. The question about whether God forgets us, of course, is the opposite of God remembering us. And you'll remember that in the Psalms and really in all Scripture, when we say, God, remember me, we just, we're asking God to act. 
If God remembers us, he acts. He takes action on our behalf. And so the question is, God, are you going to work in and through me or not? Are you done with me or what is going on here? Uh, so the, the idea, the, the fear that God may have forgotten us is a real thing. That would mean God would cease to act in our lives. And it feels that way sometimes, right? The second one is, how long will you hide your face? The idea of God showing us his face is, is a reminder that God is present with us. For God to show us his face means that he's with us. He's present with us. And he's not abandoning us. And so David's saying, how long will you hide your face? How long will you be away from me? How long will I feel like you're not with me? Um, I think of the great Rich Mullins song uh, where he, he actually has a song that he called Hard to Get. And he asked the question, will those who mourn be left uncomforted? Right? He, he's, he's thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And Rich Mullins says, you know, it doesn't always seem that way. Will those who mourn be left uncomforted? And then he, he kind of cries out to God and he says, you're just up there, God, and you're playing hard to get. Don't you ever feel that way? God, you're just there playing hard to get. And, it, and the song resolves beautifully. It's, it's a great prayer that Rich Mullins writes. It really gets with our disappointment. But think about David, the same guy who prayed, one thing I ask of you, one thing, and this is what I seek, that I may gaze upon your beauty, that I may dwell, right? In the house. So it's this idea that David wants one thing, and that's to see God, to see God's face. And so here he's praying, God, I can't see your face. Why are you hiding from me? I want one thing, and that's to see you, and I can't, I can't get the one thing that I want. Something's wrong. How long will you hide your face from me? I find that it's very helpful to not only lament for ourselves, but to lament for others. How many times do you see someone going through something that you love and you just, you've done all you can and you can't do any more? And so you just cry out, how long will you forget them, Lord? How long is this going to go on that they're going to have to suffer that way? I'm watching someone I love suffer and I can't stand it anymore. It's very important to remember as we learn to lament that lament is not the same thing as despair. Lament is not giving up. Lament is actually engaging, right? It's, it's the opposite of giving up. When we give up, we just quit praying altogether. But lament keeps us in prayer, in honesty in prayer, even when we feel like the wheels are coming off. And so lament is actually, it's like the doorway to hope. You, you can't get to hope without going through lament. Because hope, when it's real, is a gift from God, and it grows in us. And we have to go through the hard stuff to get there. And so to truly know what hope is, and to truly live with hope, we have to have faced the darkness and learn to lament the darkness. And that's when we recognize that the sun is coming up. The psalm closes with this great refrain. Uh, some people refer to it as like a vow. If you think about making a vow in prayer, and it's, it's this kind of lament, I guess we could say the art of lament, learning to lament, it involves kind of this vow that resolves. And, and it's a vow that we make where we try to tell the truth about God. And, and right when you're in the middle of the storm, it's really hard to say, you know, this is how I feel things are. And so we reach back into our memory. We reach back into the story of Moses. We reach back into the story of David. We reach back into the story of Jesus, and we, 
and we say, okay, you know what, God? I have trusted in your steadfast love. I'm still going to cry, and I'm still going to say, where are you? And I'm still going to say, why did you hide from me? But I know deep down that my heart will rejoice in your salvation. And so that's why I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing even when I don't feel it, even when I don't feel like singing, because I know that you have dealt bountifully with me. You have, you have shown me your grace and your mercy, and you've been present to me, and you've never let me down. And so even though I feel like you're letting me down right now, I'm going to hang on. And I'm going to hang on. But I have trusted in your steadfast love, and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. As we wrap up, I think that this is a, this psalm, Psalm 13, is, is a great psalm to close out the day with. It's a great night psalm because it, it asks these hard questions that we face in the darkness. And it's sort of like we're facing the darkness with Jesus. And we're asking these hard questions. And it helps us get through the night, you know. It's, I'm facing a long night, God, and I want to know that you haven't forgotten me. I want to know that you haven't hidden your face from me. Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden and the gospel writers talk about the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that Jesus was betrayed? And this is before the betrayal and he takes Peter, James, and John and they go into the garden and he asks them to watch with him and wait with him. And, you know, would you stay awake with me while I pray? And, of course, they fall asleep and they don't hang in there. And Jesus comes back again and says, will you hold on with me? You know, I'm facing something really hard and I'm facing the darkness here and I just want you all to wait with me and they fall asleep. And this is like David's prayer. You know, I imagine Jesus praying a psalm like this. If he didn't pray this one, he probably prayed something similar uh, where David says, you know, consider and answer me, Lord. Light up my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. It's a great prayer to pray, facing the darkness, facing the enemy of death. Jesus even says, my soul, as he's praying in the garden, my soul is sorrowful, even unto death. So as we imagine that scene in Gethsemane, uh, Patrick Henry Reardon says that every night, every night for the Christian, every night sort of has the potential, we would say, or has something in it of Gethsemane. If you think about every, every night that we face, every dark thing that we face, it contains a little bit of that Gethsemane story. And so, could we imagine ourselves, what would it look like for us to imagine ourselves standing with Peter, James, and John as we face the darkness in our days and our nights, and we imagine Jesus inviting us to pray with him? Because we know that Jesus it lives to intercede for us, the scriptures tell us, and he's praying for us, he's fighting for us, and he invites us to pray with him. I think it would be a great invitation to consider that we would pray this prayer with Jesus. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Will you forget me always? How long will you hide your face from me? I wonder if Jesus is inviting us to pray this prayer with him. Will you join this prayer? Will you face the darkness? And will you hold on for the arrival of genuine hope? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.